Once again, welcome to H2O. Thanks for being here. I am Matthew. I'm one of the pastors. I'm excited to share with you today from Psalm 23. Uh, we will get there uh, in a moment, but one of the most famous psalms in this series that we're doing through the book of Psalms. Um, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the front end about prayer. Um, I think one of the best parts about being a parent trying to raise our kids in the faith is listening to the prayers that they pray. It's, uh, it's downright hilarious sometimes. At other times, we're amazed at the level of depth and, and progress that we see in their faith development, and other times, we wonder if we're doing anything right. And so, um, you may think, as a uh, pastor's kid, I have four of them actually, that, um, that our kids would pray the most heartfelt and theologically accurate prayers and if you thought that, you would be wrong. Here's a sampling of some prayers that have been prayed in our house. Tiffany and I thought of these last night. Um, here are four, just from the last few days, um, prayed by one of my four children. Um, God, I pray that we can watch a movie tonight. God, I pray that we can have candy while we watch the movie. God, I pray that I can play with Phoebe's dolls. That was Naomi, our four-year-old. I pray that Phoebe would stop making faces at me right now while I pray. That was Mason. So, honestly, this might be more of an indictment against me as their dad, um, because we learn in part how to pray by listening to other people pray. I remember I came to faith later in life. I was 19 after my freshman year of college, and uh, I had never really prayed out loud or uh, known how to do that, and so the way that I learned how to pray was just by listening to older, wiser, godlier people than me pray. And then I would just imitate it. I think if we're honest, a lot of our spiritual formation is just imitating those who have gone ahead of us. And, and so I wonder as my kids pray this way, wait, wait is, that, is that how they hear me pray? You know, um, you know, I do private prayer and things like that, but when I'm with my kids, am I only praying for the laundry list of things that I want? Uh, I hope not. Um, and so one of the things I noticed as I was a brand new Christian listening to people pray is that sometimes people would pray the words of Scripture. And I was fascinated by that. And I would think partly like as a new Christian, I was like, wait, are you allowed to do that? You're stealing someone else's words and you're praying them as your own. And sometimes I would think, I don't know if that's the Bible. That sounds like the Bible. I'm not sure, but that sounds really cool and eloquent. And so I want to pray like that too. Um, they must really know their Bibles. If they're closing their eyes and just reciting Bible verses as prayer, that's pretty cool. Um, what's really interesting is that the book of Psalms, which we've been studying for the last couple of weeks and we're going to continue studying, studying for a few more weeks, were the Psalms were the prayer book of God's people throughout generations. Certainly true in the early church. The church, you know, as, as Jesus walked the earth and ministered, that was the prayer book and the hymnal. Um, Big shocker here, there were no big-name worship bands. Hillsong didn't exist when Jesus walked the earth, right? Putting out albums for us to worship to, there were no big-name authors writing devotional books. They just lived off of, fed off of the Psalms primarily for prayer and for worship. 
Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a lot about the Psalms. Bonhoeffer was a, uh, a guy who was martyred for his faith. He was German. He came to the U.S. to study, kind of a theologian, pastor guy. I used to have his picture framed and hanging in my office. Um, one of my heroes of the faith. Never met him. Do you guys have those people that have most influenced your life that you've never met and never will meet? Dietrich Bonhoeffer is, is up there for me. And he, he wrote a lot about the Psalms, and he said that if, if, when Jesus was cut, he bled the Psalms. They just poured out of him. He would have been raised to pray the Psalms, to sing the Psalms. Jesus quotes the Psalms more often than any other Old Testament book in the Gospels. His most famous prayer from the Psalms comes as he's hanging on the cross, dying. And he prays from Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And just because I don't want to leave that hanging there, um, some people struggle with that and what is happening as Jesus is praying, Psalm 22, verse 1. When he said verse 1, he had in view the entire psalm. Because he just, the people of that day, and Jesus, of course, himself, he so knew the scriptures, he so knew the Psalms, that they would just say the first verse, but they had in view the entire thing. And if you read through Psalm 22, it's amazing the turn that it takes at the end to redemption, to salvation. And so Jesus, in saying that, is actually just declaring, I am Psalm 22 right now. I am accomplishing for you that salvation and that redemption that the Psalm ends with. So that was bonus material. You can take that. You can, uh, that's not really what I'm talking about today, but I didn't want to leave it there. Um, so Bonhoeffer, again, um, he wrote about the Psalms and about prayer. This is a quote that he said that has really impacted me, and it's kind of sort of shaped what we're going to do today. He says, quote, The more deeply we grow into the Psalms and the more often we pray them as our own, the more simple and rich our prayers become. So when I think about my prayer life, I think I want my prayers to be marked by simplicity and by richness. I want them to be simple. I don't want to be striving. I don't want to be posing. I don't want to try to be like proving something to God. I just want to be humble and honest. And then I also want them to be rich. I want them to demonstrate an intimacy with God that I have, a deep abiding relationship with God. I want them to sort of capture the fact that God is entirely unlike me. He is entirely other. He's transcendent, and yet at the same time, he's imminent. He's here. He's with us. He's tender. I can know him. I want my prayers to be simple and rich. The reality, church, is that our prayers reveal who God is to us. Our prayers reveal. They're, they're this beautiful window into our relationship with him. If, if all we ever pray, you've heard us say this, if all we ever pray, right, is God give me this, God do this, God give me this, God grant me this, God work this out, God do this for me, we're probably believing, right, that God is like this genie in a bottle, this vending machine, this, this deity that just exists to give us what we want, Right, If our prayers only cover the circumstances of our lives, God, rescue me from this. God, get me out of this. God, change this in my life right now. Then we probably think that what God is most interested in is our comfort. He's actually not. He's most interested in making you like Jesus for the sake of this world. And so I wonder, who is the God of your prayers? If you were to take an honest assessment of your prayer life, who is the God of your prayers.
most of us would say, I need help in this area. Like, I need to pray more, and, and honestly, a lot of my prayers are the laundry list of God, do these things for me. Right? So we want to do it more, and we want to do it better, if I can say that. We want our prayers to have more passion and reverence and honesty and humility. And I think one of the best ways to really grow our prayer life, to grow that kind of intimacy and depth, is to pray the Psalms is to do the very thing that the early church did, that God's people have done for many, 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 many years, is to pray through the Psalms. To pray the Psalms is to pray the very words that God gave us. And so we believe in this church that God has sovereignly given us this thing that we carry in our back pockets um, and that you have in the pew in front of you, that this is a gift that God orchestrated. He superintended the process to get us this thing right here. And this word is living and active, Uh, The Bible claims of itself that it penetrates down deep into the marrow of our bones. It reads us more than we read it, right? And so um, when when we read Scripture, something happens. When we pray Scripture, something really cool happens. And I think it's because we surrender our voice. We don't just pray what we want to pray. We don't just say the things that we want to say to God. We, it's an act of this kind of radical humility to rank ourselves below someone else, the prayers of someone who came before us. And so God meets us in that. And because this word is living and active, we position ourselves to encounter him. I think that's really ultimately the goal of all prayer is that we would have an encounter with the living God who wants to speak to us and teach us inform us. So, um, this is what I want to do um, today, just to kind of tell you where we're going. We're going to do something a little bit different. Um, I'm going to read Psalm 23 here in a moment, and then I'm going to talk about it, but I'm not going to just preach at you for like a half an hour, 45 minutes like I normally do. Um, you can cheer and celebrate that if you want. Um, I'm just going to make a few quick comments about the psalm, kind of help us understand the context of what's happening. And then we're going to pray through Psalm 23 as a church. We're going to do the thing that the church has done for centuries today. And that might be new for you. That might be something that is old hat. Wherever you are, I will, I will be your guide and we will go through it. But uh, the psalm today, Psalm 23, it just is too good to not pray. It's almost a crime for me to stand up here and just preach Psalm 23, it, is, it connects so powerfully to our lives that I want us to meet God in it and uh, have him speak to us. So let me read Psalm 23, make a few comments, and then we'll get to the good stuff. We'll pray through it. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Doesn't that psalm just invite you into the presence of God? Make you want to connect with him and hear from him. And so let's just talk through. I'm going to bullet point a few things, and then, and then we'll pray through it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. David's first words. The Lord is my shepherd. The imagery here is that, that God is the shepherd, and we are then the sheep. And sheep are sort of dumb creatures. Uh, no offense to those of you who may be sheep farmers in the room uh, or just have a real affection for sheep. Um, they're not the smartest creatures, and so... David understands that about himself. He's declaring that the way this world works, that reality, though we may try to get control, we may try to run our own lives, we may try to do it on our own, the reality, the overwhelming reality of this life is that we don't have control, that there is a shepherd and it's God. And the shepherd at that time had one job, and it was to keep the sheep alive, to protect them to lay down his life for them. Jesus uses this exact same imagery in the Gospels. He says, I am the good shepherd. I am the one who lays down my life. All that we need, he gives us. I shall not want, maybe a, uh, more accurate, some of the translations say, I lack nothing, because the idea is that I don't find myself to be wanting anything. And what David is trying to say is that because God is our shepherd, because he exists to care for us, to nourish us, to protect us, to be for us all the things that we cannot be for ourselves. Because that is true, I lack nothing. It's an amazing truth. Our lives, we think about all the stuff we don't have. We think about the stuff that we lack. We are constantly wanting things. And what David is declaring here is that because God is my shepherd, there's nothing. There's nothing I want. There's, there's nothing that I lack because God is for me. He moves on and he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. This idea of making me lie down. Sheep don't like to lay down. Um, I, don't, I didn't know all this stuff before, okay? So I'm learning all about sheep this past week or two. Sheep don't like to lie down. They only do it when they feel very safe and their bellies are full and they know that there's no predator around lurking. And so when David is saying that God makes me lie down in green pastures, what he's really saying is that God has so provided for me and so protects me that I can rest. I can lay down. The pasture and the waters, it, it, it's this image of abundance because the pasture is where they would eat, the still waters is where they would drink. And again, this idea that God provides for our every need, he provides abundantly, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He doesn't just give us food and drink. He cares deeply for us. He's, he's doing this work of restoration in our lives. David knew that, that our lives are messy, that we have sin and we got all this stuff going on and that when God is leading us and shepherding us, he's not just making sure we get well fed, but he's doing this deeper spiritual work inside of us. We know with where we sit today in human history that that work is ultimately to make us more like Jesus. He's restoring us, making us, conforming us more into the image of Christ. Why? For our sake, so that we might puff up, so that we might become spiritually self-righteous? No, absolutely not. For his name's sake. He's doing it 
so that he gets the glory. The way God gets glory in you is when you look like Jesus. And that's what he's doing. And then he takes this turn in verse 4, and he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So we just went from like the green pastures, the still waters where everything is, is cozy and comfortable and abundant and we're taken care of to now all of a sudden we're walking through this place where we could die at any moment. And what, what David has in mind here is, is that the shepherd is always moving his sheep around to keep them safe, to get them to new food sources. And sometimes that path would take them through really scary, dangerous places. And the rod and the staff were used to kind of keep the sheep going in the right direction, to keep them from falling off the side of a cliff or from wandering into territory where there would be a predator. And again, David is saying, that's us. We do that. We wander. We get off the path. We go to dangerous places. Even if we don't know that it is, sometimes we do know and we still go there. Other times we're just unaware. And God, in his tenderness, in his kindness, he's He's taking us, he's prodding us, he's grabbing us by the crook of that and just pulling us back to where we need to be. He's changing our course. And then he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This is, this is incredibly profound language. So in the midst of a battle where there are enemies all around, He's saying that God is setting up a table, that he wants to dine with us. To be invited to the table by a king was no small thing. It was the highest honor to be able to sit and have a meal with the king. And David knows that, and he's saying that's what God is doing in the midst of the pain and the struggle. The anointing of the head is this, this really intimate experience where before someone were to go into battle or to face this huge obstacle, it was common that, that a, uh, a religious leader of that time would anoint their head with oil. My cup overflowing, again, it's this idea of abundance, of receiving from God so much. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's an incredible journey, right, from the green pastures and the still waters down into the valley where things are difficult and we don't know what's happening and we can't make sense of it and we have to rely on our shepherd to guide us through it, to now David turns his eyes to that day when he will be with God forever. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's this amazing journey of the places that David talks about in this passage. And he sets his eyes at the end on that place where he will dwell forever in the presence of God. Such beautiful words. We've heard them maybe some of us a hundred, a thousand times, and it's easy to gloss over them. And yet I think God wants to speak to us even today in the midst of them. So what I want to do is I want to actually invite Kent to come up. He's going to play a little bit of guitar behind me. I really wish I could play guitar because that would be kind of fun if I could do that, but I have absolutely no musical ability. Um, and so... I'm going to do something. It's, it's different. We don't typically do this here. It's, it's not a common thing. Um, I'm going to lead us through a time of prayer through Psalm 23 as our guide. And what I'll do is I will, I will read a line 
and I'll offer some comments, and I'll, I'll kind of lead us into a, a reflection of some kind, lead you to pray in some way quietly to yourself where you sit, and then there'll be some silence. Well, not silence. There'll be a beautiful guitar playing in the background. And, and that, that space is meant, there it is, to um, give you time to, to really be with God um, and to trust that he will speak to you through these words uh, that David wrote so many years ago. So whatever you normally do to pray, maybe you close your eyes, uh, maybe you journal, however you normally do it, just do that now, but kind of get settled in. This will take us five to ten minutes-ish. We'll see how long it goes, um, and we'll just ask God to speak to us through Psalm 23, okay? So here we go. I'll pray to start. God, as we move from just talking about Psalm 23 to to praying it as our own, God, would you meet us? We know that um, your word is living and active, that it penetrates deep into our souls. And so, Lord, we wonder, is there maybe a word or a phrase or a line in this psalm that you really want to press down deep into us, that you want to speak to us through it? We say, come, Holy Spirit, speak to us through your word, God. We come in and we have burdens, we have difficulties, we have trials, we have things on our mind right now about what we have to do after we leave this place. God, would you release all of those things from our mind now? Would you grant us the grace of being able to focus on what you say, on this word that you've given us through David? Speak to us, God, in Jesus' name, amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God, we spend so much of our days, so much of our effort trying to control our lives, thinking that we have power that we don't actually have. And Lord, we're afraid to let go and to fully trust you. We, we sense the, the ways, the places in our lives where you're asking us to surrender and we resist. Lord, would you today remind us that you are our shepherd, that you care deeply for us, that you tend to our needs. Help us, God, to know the reality that we lack nothing God, we want so many things, and yet with you as our shepherd, we shall not want. With you, we have everything. And so we lay down all of our wants. We lay down all the things that we think we lack. We surrender them to you now, and we declare that you are all that we want. You are all that we need. God, help us to surrender those things right now. You make me lie down in green pastures. 
You lead me beside still waters. God, you are so good to us. You supply our every need. You grant us rest and you give us peace. Our lives are full of so much noise, God. We're anxious about many things. Green pastures and still waters, they seem out of reach. And yet we long for it. And we tell you that today, God. We long for that rest, for that peace that only you give. We know that you lead us there. And so, God, we surrender all the things that burden us now. We surrender even our unbelief that you can grant us that kind of rest. Would you help us now in these moments to embrace the rest that you give us? You restore my soul. You lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. God, as we rest in you, you breathe your life into us. You revive us, you renew us. God, would you do that now by the power of your spirit? Would you bring restoration to all that seems broken, all that is imperfect, all that is wrong in us, God, would you remind us of the gift of your salvation, of the promise that you will not depart from us, that we belong to you, that you are making us new. And God, some of us are facing decisions, big ones, little ones, we're confused, we're uncertain. Some of us are wrestling with sin, we we keep returning to the things that we know cannot satisfy us. And you promise us that you will lead us in paths of righteousness. Would you do that, God? Would you show us what needs to change? Would you give us a vision for what it is you're wanting to do in our lives? Show us, God, how you want to lead us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God, you protect us. 
You walk out ahead of us. There is no circumstance in our life. There is nothing that we're facing, that we're scared about, that you're not in. We thank you that you never abandon us, never depart from us. All of our hope is in the fact that you are with us. Some of us in this room, God, are scared, I'm sure, facing circumstances that we can't handle. Life feels dark and scary. We cling to you, God. We trust that you are still leading us even when we don't know what's happening. Guide us, God. Give us hope. Grant to us a fearlessness that comes only from knowing that you are with us. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. God, you who are our everlasting king, you who formed us from dust, you who is before all time, you invite us to come and dine with you. It seems too good to be true. We are astounded at your humility, God, that you would invite us to your table. And that you would do it, God, in your tenderness in the midst of all that seems dark and scary in the valleys of our life. Would we sit with you, hear from you, laugh with you? Some of us feel like life is a challenge and it's a battle and there's adversity facing us all over the place. And some of us just feel beat up by the lies of Satan, your great enemy. As we sit with you, God, would you speak your truth over us? Would we receive abundantly from you? I pray that we would experience the overflowing cup of your presence, your hope, your healing, your victory, your kindness. Do that now, God. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in your house forever. God, you do not forsake us. You do not treat us as our sins deserve. Day after day, you pour out mercy over us. We confess that we're tired, 
that were homesick. God, we groan with all of creation for that day when you will set the world to right, when our faith will become sight, when all that is broken and blemished will be made perfect. God, would you remind us of our glorious future? Would that future now give us hope and strength to endure? God, as we close, we ask that, again that you would take what you've given us here, the, maybe the word, the phrase, the imagery of this psalm that, you, that you're wanting to speak to us through, that you would continue to do your work in us, that you would seal that, that we would not soon forget what it is that you're calling us to do. Maybe it's an action, maybe it's just changing the way we believe. I suspect you're asking many of us to just trust you, plain and simple, to surrender control, to allow you to be who you already are, the great shepherd of our lives. Lord, would you give us the courage to surrender? We thank you for how good you are to us. In Jesus' name, amen.